Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 45 for the week of March 30th, 2018, Ready Player One week. We've left the Oasis. We have our thoughts on the movie, and now we're ready to share them with you. Yes. Among other things. Yeah, and, it's, and we're back here in the office. Yes, we're not in the sound booth we're this in, week. We're, in, we're on remote location recording now, which used to be our home. Yes. <laughs> A brief return home. Absolutely. But why are we, Adam, back in the uh, remote location this week? We have a special guest. One of the movies we will be reviewing this week is Unsane, a movie about a, I should say, involuntary commitment. But she signed the paperwork, so it's kind of voluntary. She just didn't know what she was signing. But the movie is Unsane, the newest film from Steven Soderbergh. And I brought on my law partner, Derek DeBras, who actually does this as part of his job for court-appointed attorney. He comes in and represents these individuals that have been, I'll let him explain it, but involuntarily committed, and he's with them at their hearing. So yeah. we have Derek with us today. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Derek is a very serious individual. He's barely holding it together over there. but So he's going to weigh in on Unsane. He saw the movie with me, and I thought it'd be interesting to bring in the real-world aspect of what happens if you're in one of these facilities. Yeah, absolutely. And you're being chased by a killer, or maybe not. Maybe it's all in your head. You might have to check out Unsane to see what's really going on. But, yep, that's why Derek's on this episode. Awesome. Well, um, tonight was our feature film was Ready Player One, and I think we just ought to jump right in. I want to – oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, before. You, there's, there's some news. Big news. I forgot. We have a preview of a film festival. Yes. So we are very quickly approaching April, and this is Overlook Month. And, again, I'm very lucky to get to go. This will be the second Overlook Film Festival. And they just announced the lineup this week. If you go to their website, overlookfilmfestival.com, uh, you can see it. But we, we posted it on our Facebook page as well. It hit all my notes. All the movies I wanted are in it. It's got Hereditary, The Ranger. Uh, let me jump up here. Arizona with Danny McBride, kind of a dark comedy. Let me say The Ranger again. I'm just excited about a, <laughs> a slasher in the woods, about a, a camp ranger that's just going to take out these punks in the woods. Um, Unfriended Dark Web a surprise sequel that takes a completely different direction from Unfriended and, and got a lot of good buzz as a surprise debut during South by Southwest. And our, our friend Clay McLeod Chapman is performing again. Yeah. Uh, it'd be He's nice. doing a couple presentations there. So I'm going to make time to check that out. Awesome. A new puppet master from comedians. If you've ever seen Reno 911. Yes. Uh, Thomas Lennon, who played yep. Dangle in the shorts, is bringing Puppet Master back. So I don't. It's going to be a comedy. I have to assume. You ever seen Puppet Master? It's little, been a while. Yeah. Little puppet blade with the mm-hmm. knife and the drill guy and the flamethrower guy. And, well, just evil puppets. That's it's just guy. right up your alley. In other words, there's so much up my alley. To overlook. I'm in heaven for four days. <sighs> and you're going to get captured and tortured and and all that good Maybe. stuff too. Maybe. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> no, they do a lot of live theater, um, immersive theater, one-on-one stuff. I didn't do any of it last year. The, the only theatrical things I saw were, were kind of a podcast, a radio performance, and then uh, Clay Chapman. This year, I'm going to dangle my toe in the water and try something. Blacklight is there, but I am not doing Blacklight. If you saw the Haunters movie that we discussed, it's just too much of an extreme experience for me. I don't need that much extreme terror in my life. I'd rather not be humiliated on the streets of New Orleans. Uh, well, just the streets of New Orleans alone. It's its own survival it's trick. Its own, yeah. Yeah. When you pull out of the theater at 2 a.m. <laughs> 2 and 3 in the morning. And getting back home. to your car is its own little magical survival yeah. trick. My head will be on a swivel. Every little noise will spook <laughs> me probably on the walk home by myself. Yep. But yeah, that's Overlook. Uh, if Tickets are still available. It's uh, starting on April 19th and goes through the 22nd. 
and down there in New Orleans, right there in the French Quarter. So we're very excited. I'll be covering it, so look for more previews from me, yep. as well as when the festival's actually going on, I'll be posting my brief thoughts on social media. So you can check out what I'm seeing and what I think briefly, and I'll do more in-depth reviews after I come back. And maybe one of these years when you find a horror festival for scaredy cats, I might just go with you. <laughs> they do stuff for children, I think. There's some summer <laughs> camps we might be able to get you to in the morning for there you go. a Peanuts Halloween or something along yeah. that speed. Just keep it you know, nice and simple. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, let's talk about this for children. Tonight we saw a preview for the house with the clock in the walls. This is Eli Roth, Hostel, Cabin Fever, directing a children's movie. So I'm intrigued. I think it looks good. It has Amblin Entertainment on it. So the big man Spielberg, at least his company is behind it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a sign of confidence. Yep. The movie looks pretty good for a young adult crowd, and it looks surprisingly kind of scary. So, yeah. And I thought the um, Avengers uh, trailer was, I had not seen that one. Oh, yeah. So I've kind of kept myself in the dark, but I'm like, I'm in a theater. I might as well go and watch the trailer. So. You to close your eyes and shut your ears. <laughs> I know exactly. So you're going to do that in a the theater, right? But uh, I, I kind of like the. Um, I thought it gave away some stuff from what I saw. I was kind of thought they they showed a little too much. Maybe I don't know. People have been wondering about the Infinity Stones and how many you see and when you see them. Marvel plays games in their trailers. If you remember Thor Ragnarok, they hid the fact about Thor's eye. I mean, they recut the scenes. Right. Yeah. And the Helia destroying Mjolnir was shown in an alleyway in New York City, and that never happened. So they, they changed stuff up for their trailers. So it's hard to really rely on it. They yeah, could be playing true. games with you. Yeah. Well, we've already geeked out about Marvel. We might as well jump into Ready Player One, which is weaponized nostalgia. Absolutely. You're listening to The Film Cody. We will be right back after this trailer. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here, sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go, nowhere, except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival? And how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis, the world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war for control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion, Wade.
like many of you, I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. All right, we're back, and it's time to talk Ready Player One, the newest film from Steven Spielberg. And if you've not heard of the book, it made quite a splash a few years ago from Ernie Klein. Yep. And it's sort of a geek's version of Willy Wonka. Is there a child out there that's worthy to take over this industry and run the factory, or in this case, the internet? And it's a quest. It's Willy Wonka if you had a quest. Find these three keys, get the company. But the keys are sorted out throughout the Oasis, which is their online game, where anything you can imagine from pop cultures in this game, RoboCop, Iron Giant, the Joust. Did you see the guys on the Joust birds charging no, in the battle? I, I, I didn't caught see them it, too. Yeah. Halo with all the Master Chiefs running in. This is a movie that you could watch and just freeze frame just to figure out what the heck is going on in all the scenes and recognize all the characters. Because the only ones that are bland are the villains. The 101 guys are IOI. You know, they're just in the same suit with the thing. Everyone else on the good side is a legit character for the most part. So you read the book. Yeah. I've read the book. You were more positive on the book than me. Yeah. And what, it, I mean, let's jump to you. Well, what did you uh, think? okay, so let's just start off. You know, actually, the book is probably the most popular glorified lit RPG ever, you know? Oh, no, we're not we're back to lit RPGs. <laughs> I know your agenda. So it's very popular genre of book. Um, <laughs> very popular. <laughs> no, it's not. Burning up the charts. <laughs> but no. anyway, I really liked the book just because the 80s and nostalgia much more in the book, much more like almost 80s OCD in the book compared to what we got in the movie. The book has lists in it. Yeah. There's just sections where he's naming songs for no other purpose than maybe <laughs> to demonstrate he knows all these songs from the right. 80s. And that really, you know, some people were kind of turned off by that aspect of the book that it just kind of went overboard, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I just embraced all the gloriousness of it, <laughs> you know, being a teenager of the 80s. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, just like Ernie Klein. Yeah, and so I wondered how they were going to do this movie because they couldn't get all those licenses. They couldn't show all that. And I thought, but, well, Steven Spielberg's doing it, so he might That's get the them key. all. You know. Um, and I wondered if they were going to take, like, the Annihilation approach to this film or they were going to do kind of uh, the Harry Potter approach. You know, Harry Potter, let's stay faithful. The, the book's the Bible of it, and let's don't change anything in the book. Whereas Annihilation, which I loved, took a... Yeah, left turn and just kind of was like totally different, you know. But it kept the heart of what the story was. And I would say Ready Player One, without getting into spoilers, kind of falls into the Annihilation camp for me. You know, a lot different story in the movie than what... The story's the same, how they get there. The path to get there is a lot different in the book. Yes. The heart of the movie is the same. The heart is the same, The structure is the same. I mean, it's got the bones. It just has a, a sleeker outside maybe to fit into this was a long movie i don't know if it's two and a half hours it's somewhere up there so yeah they they i think they were able to turn it into a movie better than i thought i was a little worried about how this would play out right so we have the characters uh, the main character is parzival he's the the boy wonder who's searching for the keys and then there's artemis h the rest of his gang the high five really the only two you pay any attention to is artemis and parzival right 
And that's it. I mean, there, there's a villain. It's director Krennic, if you recognize him from Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Minus the white cape, but he's still the yep. kind of the corporate <laughs> imperial bad guy. <laughs> the overlords, yes. Now, I don't think it's any fault of the movie that Wade Watts isn't a very engaging hero. He's The character's flat from the book. I mean, he's just a nerd. Kid that's obsessed in yeah. pop culture and trying to find the key. So the movie didn't really do a better job of making him. If he had a lot of charisma in the book, in the real life book, he, he didn't. W- he wouldn't need to be on the Oasis twenty four seven. And it really hurts because the kid uh, has to give a speech at the end, and it was yeah. not Braveheart delivering a speech no, to his it troops. Was not. That was the roughest part of the movie. Probably was just him. No, I agree. Kind of giving a lackluster yeah. rally the troops speech. But I, I liked Olivia Cook, who played uh, Artemis. <laughs> it is a forced love interest here. I mean, he meets her for the first time in the race because he, he knows her online. She's a popular, he's a Twitch streamer. So Twitch right. is still around in the future. But then maybe 40 minutes later, it's I love you. And the second yeah. time they met. Yeah, yeah. See, this is, where, this is where maybe the book has the advantage where it can take time to develop you know, this romance, whereas you just got to jump right into it. You got to get right into it in the movie. And it's, I kind of wish if, if you're, if you're going to go the romance direction, I mean, this is young adult themed kind of a deal, but if you're going to go the, if you're going to go the, the romance direction, do it in the, at the beginning of the third act or in the, don't do it like the end of the first act. Oh, I just love you, you know, or give them history together. Exactly. Let them go through something together. Yeah. They just meet and then, Next scene, they're made for each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's forced. What do you think of the CG? Now, if you're not aware, this movie is, I'd say, 70% CG. At least, yeah. 30% real world scenes. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought the opening race scene was just phenomenal. I mean, I, I thought it was just just eye candy everywhere, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And they go for a video game look. The characters are pixelated, um, all different art styles. Some are photorealistic. Most are a little bit heightened, kind of cartoony, big eyes, what mm-hmm. you can expect from a video game character. Yeah. But there's also locations in the world that are photorealistic. I'm not going to spoil the second quest, but man, did it make me happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> photorealistic. It involves a movie, and they, they nailed the environment, and they nailed that. I was yeah. very happy by that scene. That's not from the book. I think that was an improvement. I don't even remember what the second quest was in the book. It was going, the second quest was going to his hometown to a store, or it was an area in his hometown. Not very exciting. Yeah, it wasn't very exciting, absolutely. So you'd agree then that this second quest in the movie was an improvement? Yeah, I absolutely would, yeah. Now, we've got Derek, and we won't let him talk. We're just talking all the time here, Derek. But you were there, and your, your lady was there with you. What was you guys' take from this movie? Was you bored out of your minds? Was it too young adult? Did you like it, enjoy it? What was your thought? I thought it was a good movie. Um, uh, Beth, my uh, girlfriend, thought it was a good movie as well. Um, uh, I don't watch a lot of uh, those types of movies, but I, I thought it was really entertaining. Yeah. Well, did you think cool. it was distracting seeing all those characters run around, or did it kind of fit in this world? No, it fit. I thought it, would, it, it had a lot of uh, congealed very well. Uh, it was not disconnected or anything like that. I thought it was a very entertaining movie. That's cool. Here's a cool fact. So there's a lot of driving in a DeLorean in this movie. 
All right. If you don't know the author, Ernie Klein drives a DeLorean in real life. He's built one exactly like the one from Back to the Future. It has a flux capacitor, everything. So the young actor who's the lead in this movie got to drive Ernie Klein's DeLorean just around the set or whatever. I think they're using it for reference. And he realized that when you're backing up, you can't see because of the flux capacitor. The rearview mirror is blocked. So you have to open the door and look out backwards. And he told Spielberg that. And Spielberg's like, oh, that's even better for this scene. So they actually reshot everything. Wow. I with the door open and looking backwards because of the flux capacitor. That's cool. Is it the flux capacitor with the uh, the vegetable matic in the back? Well, that's for fuel. The flux capacitor would send it, it sends it back in time. It's that hourglass looking. Right, but the, the second episode of Back to the Future had like the, it took vegetables. To run it, yeah. The, yeah. To yeah. run it. Is that what was blocked? To, blocked no, it's right here between the seats. Ah, got it. So you couldn't <laughs> see out the rear view mirror. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> it's funny, Spielberg never thought of that, and he was a producer and was very involved in Back to the Future, so even he learned something about a DeLorean. Yeah. Thanks to just Ernie Klein actually having one <laughs> and driving one around. Yeah, I think overall I really like the movie. Um, it's definitely has its flaws and it's some of its shortcomings, but just the fun ride of it makes up for me. I'm laughing, chuckling, you know, enjoying the scenes, enjoying the uh, the nods to Blizzard and different, you know, Atari and different, you know, uh, game makers from over the years and stuff. So, the only people who really said no <coughs> were was Disney. So no Marvel, no Star Wars, and Nintendo, which is surprising because Nintendo was in Wreck It Ralph. They got some characters mm, in there, right? Yeah. So, but your thoughts overall, Adam? Okay. Yeah. It's not. This doesn't seem like it's your kind of movie. <coughs> I liked it better than the book. So it's an improvement in that direction. I wasn't a huge fan of the book. And the, the universe, I know it's nitpicking. It just seems so weird to me that everyone in this universe is Ernie Klein. They're all obsessed with pop culture. They judge you on whether or not you know where the first Easter egg in any video game ever was or whether you can name the school from a John Hughes movie. It's just this weird kind of geek battling geek over knowledge thing. And everyone in the universe is like that. Everyone loves the 80s for some reason. In 2046. And that's just, it's always just struck me as weird. Well, yeah. So if this actually became, if the Oasis was a real thing, no matter how much the founder was into something, why would the whole world? The hive mind would take it where it wanted to go, ultimately. Yeah. Nostalgia isn't really contagious. It affects the people that lived in that era. And you might get a person every now and then that likes something older than them, but it's rare. You know, people kind of like the stuff from their own childhood. So nostalgia is a moving target. And yet this is kind of fixated in the 80s. So that's always been a kind of a weird thing in the story. Yeah, I hear that. Cool. But yeah, I, the CG in here, it carries the movie. And I think it was the most convincing, at least sucking you in since Avatar. I quickly forgot. It oh, yeah. didn't seem like I was watching CG scenes. You just kind of buy the characters moving around. And it's not as big of a distraction as I thought it might be. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's a very consistent universe. So that helped. And that's important because without that, the movie doesn't work. If that part was bad, this movie oh, sucks. Yeah. It's a train wreck. So the CG's good. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a mix of mocap and non mocap. <coughs> I think it's pretty effortless that way. So I'm curious. I wonder how it will do this weekend. It's going to hit 100 million. Do you know? I mean, I'm, I'm just. It's not going to hit that high. Yeah. I don't It'll think do well that. around the world. And something cool when they shot it, have you ever seen the Microsoft HoloLens? It's AR. So you have that facial shield in front of you. Oh, yeah. They were doing that on set so they could see the virtual environments. So when they're walking around a white room, they could actually see, uh, for instance, the museum. When did the Iron Giant come out? Because he was in the movie. 90s, late 90s. 
Yeah, it's not 80s. It was really bizarre that Iron Giant. It's all over the place in this movie. Like, there's a lot of Blizzard stuff, like Overwatch oh, yeah. and Tracer. Yeah. And that's yeah. just a couple years ago. Yeah, so I, I didn't recognize everything. I grew up in the 80s, and I didn't recognize everything. And Iron Giant, I'd never, never even seen that movie, actually. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are in it, but the, the modern version, like from the Paramount movies right. that recently yeah. come yeah. out. So it, it, they kind of went, you know, not away from 80s culture, because that was the whole makeup of Halliday's game. Even though it's less so in this movie than it is in the book. In the book, every key quest is a huge homage to the eighties in some way, you know. Well the whole universe is too. Yeah, the whole universe. But this movie yeah. had a lot more more modern, popper, you know, more recent culture. Even Monty Python. <laughs> My, yeah. The yeah. holy hand grenade. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think they were trying to probably reach out to the uh, the masses more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, any other thoughts from Ready Ready Player One? Well, let's briefly talk about this. We saw it in 3D. 3D was fine. I don't necessarily know that I'd recommend it. I'd still say it's fine to see regular 2D. It wasn't anything wow in the 3D. No. But that's good, too. They weren't trying to just throw like someone reaching out of the screen. There's no obvious 3D effects. I thought 3D was dead. I was surprised that they actually handed me glasses when I walked in. It's dying. <laughs> uh, there's less and less showings in it, but uh, we just saw it for convenience of timing. Right. So I don't think there's any reason to rush out and see this in 3D. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I'd see it in 2D. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to go again Tuesday with my kids, and we'll see it in 2D, not 3D. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, let's take a break. What do we have coming up, Adam? Unsane. Unsane. And we have people in the room that have opinions about Unsane. So. Yes. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Film Coterie. Changing your phone number and your email becomes normal. Taking out a restraining order, normal. Relocating to another city, normal. But you still see your stalker everywhere? Rationally, I know this is my imagination, but I'm alone in a strange city and I never feel safe. There's some more forms you need to fill out. It's just routine. I finished my homework. Sawyer Valentini, please follow me. Well, look, I, I don't have a lot of time. I, I should be back at work, so. What am I doing in here? Take off your clothes down to your underwear. I'm not sure what's happening here. The door's locked. It would be better for everyone, especially yourself, if you just do as I ask. There's been some kind of mistake. By signing this, you've consented to voluntary commitment. I am being held here against my will. Do you know how many calls the cops get like that every week? Those are from crazy people. All right, and as promised, we're back for the last movie of the evening. This is the new film from the retired Steven Soderbergh. That's the joke. He, he like Daniel Day-Lewis, announced his retirement five years ago. Still making stuff. So that retirement didn't stick. This is Unsane. It was filmed on an iPhone. An iPhone 7, exactly. And I really want to actually see the making of the movie. Um, I would actually check out a DVD or Blu-ray to see the behind the scenes. I'm curious about how they did it. It is a very claustrophobic kind of close look, a lot of close-up shots, and then some stuff from the distance. You know, they're not really playing with the mid-range so much with the iPhone, but I thought it was effective in that way. But more importantly, we have a, a special guest this evening who's going to talk to us about site commitments, and that is uh, Derek. I introduced him earlier. He's my law partner, and he, he handles some of these cases for a living as a court-appointed attorney. So 
Uh, just to throw it out to you, Derek, can you kind of briefly tell us about the process of... Well, let me talk about the movie recently. Yeah, so, yeah, so what is Unsane yeah. about? It's a young woman who goes to a, a center for counseling, and she signs some papers that she doesn't read. They encourage her not to read it. They're just, oh, you know, we can help you out with some therapy. Why don't you sign this? And she's accidentally or inadvertently voluntarily committed herself in this movie. Now she can't get out. You know, she's racking up infractions because she's not following the rules. She's stuck there for seven days. And that's her ordeal and that she's worried that her stalker, who caused her to have this need for counseling, has come to kill her. She's seeing him everywhere. And that's the question for the audience. Is she crazy or is he really there? That's what the movie's exploring. So, Derek, if you could kind of, I don't know how you want to do it, just kind of intro the process to us or maybe tell us about what you do. So, Unsane is ungood. Ungood. Not, He's reviewing the movie first. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like that movie. Uh, it's not very realistic, in my opinion. So, the way the process generally works, uh, at least in Ohio, and every state's different. You have to yeah, and the movie that. takes place Pennsylvania. So, I don't know Pennsylvania uh, mental health law very well. Most states are fairly similar. They're fairly similar. The timelines are a little bit different. But generally, how it works is you get what we call a pink slip. So, uh, any mental health professional, doctor, uh, law enforcement agency can commit you involuntarily, right? And it doesn't strip you of any constitutional rights except your liberty for a short amount of time. And in Ohio, that's 72 hours. So you have what we call a pink slip for 72 hours. And if they want to hold you longer, they have to what we call probate you. And probate's a term uh, that means um, uh, to prove. It's, it's, it's a court that uh, handles generally when people die their money, but it also handles generally in most states mental health as well as alcohol <laughs> issues and things like that. So in Ohio, if you're committed involuntarily for 72 hours and the doctors think, well, after 72 hours, you're, not, you're still not better. We need to hold you longer. We have to give you what we call due process. And Adam knows what that is. But what due process generally is, you have the right to an attorney, you have the right to a hearing, right to a judge and all these things. And they have to bring you in front of the judge and then you have an attorney there to uh, argue your case and argue basically why you should get out of the mental hospital. And if you lose, you can be committed up to 90 days. And after that 90 days, if they want to hold you longer, they have to go back to court, and then they can hold you up to two years uh, if you lose again. Wow. So in some states, though, it's seven days rather than three days, 72 hours versus uh, seven days. So maybe Pennsylvania's a seven-day hold. I don't know. Now, with that three-day hold, is there any way out? There's really not. Yeah. Uh, you can't get out. They can hold you against your will. Um, they can medicate you for emergency reasons. They can't forcibly medicate you on a permanent basis. That's a whole nother, you know, the movie didn't really delve into medication, but that's a whole nother process. It's a whole other hearing, you know, just because they, they incarcerate you into a mental hospital uh, because it's in your best interest doesn't mean they can medicate you. That's a second hearing they have to have. And generally they're done at the same time. Uh, they'll start with, all right, are you, are you mentally ill, subject to a court order of hospitalization? And then if you are, then they'll move on to, are you subject to forcible medication for psychotropic medication? Uh, so that's generally how it works. The standard is generally, are you a danger to yourself or other people? I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Which is in this. the movie, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm paraphrasing yeah. that, of course, but that's generally how it is. The movie, in my opinion, when I'm watching it, I just was getting just, just frustrated because there was just so many flaws in it. Are you talking uh, about the plot? The plot, generally, yeah. there's just there's just flaws in it. You know, they, she, yeah, they, part of the movie was she was in a, in a room. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but she was in a room and... And, uh, you know, there was some discussion whether or not, you know, she, the, the hospital records actually had her recorded as actually still being in the hospital. That's BS. 
The hospital obviously would know that she's still there or not. It's highly regulated. They would know she's there. So I, as an attorney, as a very practical person, took a lot of exception to what occurred because I just don't think it's realistic. Well, what about the facilities in the movie as they were depicted? Did you think that was accurate? <clears throat> it's fairly accurate. I mean, they're very nondescript. They're very uh, what I call milk toast. Common uh, rooms like that? Common rooms. Um, one story. Uh, generally, what will happen is they'll have, um, they'll have sections. So you walk down a main corridor, and there will be um, sections off to the right and left, and you'll walk into the units. They call them units, generally. And you go into the unit, and it'll be just a giant uh, common area with two hallways. And down the hallways are the, the bedrooms where there's two people per bedroom. Okay. And then the, they would congeal into the common room, but then they could not get out into the main corridor, which will lead out to the outside unless they are with a mental health professional. And are they allowed visitors too? Like in um, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Just depends on their status. If they're being medicated, if they're not being medicated, how long they've been there. If they have family, uh, it just depends on a number of factors. Now, what's interesting to me because I can see this happening, and it, it's probably happened to you. Someone somehow gets in there, shouldn't be, and they want to tell you there's been a mistake. I don't. I shouldn't be here. You probably hear that every time you go in. <laughs> but 95% of the time, right. they tell me they don't belong there. Now, yep. here's the thing. When they get probated, that's when I come into play, right? So when I'm visiting these people, it's because they're not voluntarily committing themselves. So the way the process right. generally works is when I visit them, I will talk to them about their rights. And one of the rights they have in, in almost every state that I know of, they have the right to voluntarily commit themselves. And it's generally in somebody's interest to do so so they don't lose their constitutional rights. Because once you're committed against your will... Uh, primarily you use your, li- your right to own a firearm, uh, amongst other things. And it's on your record. It doesn't go away. But if you voluntarily commit yourself, at least in Ohio, it's permanently expunged. So oh. you voluntarily commit yourself, and the whole record goes away. It doesn't exist. You don't lose any civil liberties. So we generally encourage people to do that if we think they're ill enough. But sometimes I win these cases. About 5% of the time I win them, they don't belong there. They just had an alcohol abuse issue, um, an emotional breakdown, whatever it is, and they honestly don't belong there. And I've seen it. The doctors, I've actually had cases where the doctors actually want to forcibly medicate these people. They want to stick a needle in their arm. And uh, I've won the cases where they just do not belong there. Doctors don't always get it right. So in the movie, the the two standout performances, uh, Claire Foy plays Sawyer. She's the lead girl who's institutionalized. And then Jay Farrow plays another patient who may not need to be there. And I thought they had a good relationship. I thought both of their performances were really good. And it, it, I bought that as part of the story about what's going on in this facility. And that's the scary thing is there's been some stories about some institutions in the U.S., mainly out in L.A., owned by one company that were trying to keep their beds full from troubled teens. They were asking questions like, have you ever thought about suicide? And, you know, people may say yes. And they're grabbing these oh, teens yeah. and filling their beds until their insurance <coughs> ran out. Well, that's scary. It is scary. And the movie looks at that as well as the stalker angle. Now, the stalker in the movie, you see flashbacks when he was actually stalking her. And this guy, I mean, aside from the violence, it was a very good portrayal of what I've seen. I do CPOs, uh, civil protection orders and civil stalking protection orders. This kind of mindset is so creepy that he thinks he's in a relationship with this woman because he saw her every day. She was coming to redo his dad, who had Alzheimer's. And he's manufactured this relationship in his head. You he won't leave her alone. Text messages, showing up at work, thinking that there's a relationship there that's not possibly there. And we've seen that in our work with, um, you know, poor men and women that work in coffee shops that, you know, just talk to someone every day. And then that person fixates on them. So I thought the movie did a pretty good job psychologically per- portraying the stalker. He's creepy. He's the bearded white man. 
And I thought they did a good job with that. The movie itself kind of plays as a heightened lifetime movie, if that makes any sense to you. Okay. In my, in my opinion, the movie was well produced. I don't think it was a bad movie from a production value standpoint. I just don't think it was really society, from a societal standpoint accurate. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was an interesting movie in that sense. Uh, there was just a lot of flaws in it, I found. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing is it felt like, aside from some f- silly missteps in the script, the script is the worst part of this film. They could have really had something here. you know. And it, it seems like an easy fix for some of the story plot points, but that's really the weak point on this film is the screenplay. One thing like, the movie could have developed more was more the reality of the dangers of the system. I mean, quite honestly, I tell my clients this all the time, Look, if the doctor says you're going to stay there, you're going to stay there. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the attorney does because unless you have a doctor saying you go home, you have no evidence that you can go home. And if the doctor thinks you need to belong there, even if you're not ill, you're going to stay there. Do they ever see different doctors? Is it primarily just the doctor on site? So most states, at least in uh, in Ohio, and I'm, I'm assuming most states, uh, you, you have the right to an independent evaluation. You know, Franklin County, where we reside in practice law, uh, they provide that attorney. You can even, in Franklin County, get an additional doctor above that. So you absolutely have the power to hire your own attorney. The problem is if you're really mentally ill or borderline mentally ill or just recovering from an addiction, you don't have the capacity to do that. And here's the thing. With the way this process works, you only have a certain amount of time, very short amount of time to hire that doctor because the, the hearing has to happen generally after, they, uh, after the 72 hours within five days. Wow. Yeah. So you have five days to be able to make a conscious decision, and if you're borderline mentally ill or recovering from an addiction, to find an attorney that knows what they're doing. Not many attorneys do this. There's probably right. 10, 20 attorneys in Franklin County, the entire county that have actually ever done these hearings, to hire an appropriate attorney to get them there, and then get your evidence together, review their evidence, and then show up to the hearing. And it's just not, it's not practical. But you have to balance civil liberties versus due process, and it's, it's, it's problematic. Now, we've joked in the past about it being a vacation, just when we're overworked, like pink slipping your buddy, like Chris, pink slipping me, (laughs) putting me out of commission for 72 hours. But that's the scary thing is I'm trying to tell Derek, like, look, I shouldn't be here. This has been a mistake. My buddy's just playing a joke on me. Let me out. (laughs) I'm stuck there for three days, and hopefully I convince him I can get out after that. Wow. You may or may not get out. I thought the movie did a good job overall, though, because most people are not... Uh, experienced in that realm, unless mm-hmm. they have an older family member. But I think the movie did a very good job kind of showing what the environment was like, right? It was very nondescript building. They were very, bl- you know, bland buildings. They, the staff seemed realistic. The staff seemed fairly realistic, except when they got violent, because they never generally get violent. Uh, <laughs> more, more so the patients get violent. Um, you know, just I, I thought the movie did a good job kind of portraying the environment more than anything. But the storyline, I think, like you said, the script, Use, could use some work. It gets silly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it sounds like you have the skeleton for what could have been a really intriguing story, you know? Yeah, and I think visually, filming it on the iPhone gave it an interesting kind of clinical look. Yeah. You know, kind of that flat digital look instead yeah. of film. The I movie was, was well produced. I thought it was a well produced movie. I just thought the storyline needed a lot of work. And I think it's a good lesson to students. So, so, what is the vehicle they use to give you the. to give you the reason for why they shot it on an iPhone. Do they ever explain that? There's not in the movie. isn't like, it's not found footage. Okay. So it's not like it doesn't play into the plot. No, it's just, okay. You know, a lot of people wouldn't notice it and then just thought it was just filmed digitally. It came out that Steve did it. I think maybe the part of the reason was they wanted to feel like 
Because when you're in the mental hospital, you can't bring a camera. Yeah. People sneak phones in, things like that. Maybe that's why they did it. Well, it let him get really close to the actors because there's no big camera or any kind of rig. Right. He could kind of get out and close. Um, Jay Farrow gave an interview and he said that the filming was so quick. There's no setup. You know, just stand on your marks. And he was kind of moving around and they get it in two or three takes, move on. He was editing on his phone and iPad as he was going along. That's crazy. So mm. it, he really liked the process. He's a very experimental filmmaker, so it's continuing here. And budget-wise, it was a can't-lose $1.5 for the facility, the crew, yeah. you know, production, no, yeah. everything like that. Absolutely. You're not going to lose at that amount. So it's not to say like a, a film student can go out and do this because he, he still had a budget of $1.5 But it shows what you can do with this thing now. Mm. You know, I think this is the second or third film I've seen filmed on an iPhone, but this was the best. As far as proof cool. of concept of whether it can be done, the the, uh, the script just needed a hair more work, and I think it would have been a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my only knock against it. Awesome. Um, reference: I know my parents saw it with some friends, and they all liked it. It's a psychological thriller. Those are kind of fun. About is it, isn't it? Right. You know, trying to figure out what's going on. So it's got that okay. going for it. And it's a very brisk ninety minutes. It's fast. Cool. So I think I'd actually okay. recommend it in the end. You know, I'd give it three out of five stars, 60% or so. Well, a different experience, you know? Yeah. yeah I, w- so. I wouldn't purchase it, but I would rent it. <laughs> there you go. Rent. I think it's worth, you know, it'll be on Netflix. Yeah, I would rent it, but not purchase it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap this thing up. You're listening to The Film Coterie. All right, we're back, and we're going to, I guess, wrap this up on the Film Coterie. Um, we really haven't seen a whole lot here recently, you know, so we're. I think that's just too movie night for us, which is okay, you know. Um, and we, our schedule's a little unclear. You've got some travel coming up with the film festival, and I've got some travel coming up, and so we're just going to kind of have to wing this thing, Adam, I think, the next, the next few weeks. We'll be recording next week. Yes, for certain. And we don't know what we're seeing yet because we're a democracy. And I don't get to call the shots and Roger doesn't get to call the shots. And we have some other people that vote. Uh, there's a lot coming next week. So A Quiet Place, the movie from John Krasinski about the alien invasion where you have to walk very quietly. Yeah. Sitting at a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, man. And I told That's you. not my kind of movie. Them jump scares get me all the time. And it, it blew people's socks off at South by Southwest. <laughs> Um, Blockers also did really well at South by Southwest, the comedy about the parents trying to stop prom night with John Cena. Which I could relate to a little more than the other movie. <laughs> yes, I can't relate to that. See, <laughs> we each got one. And then the <coughs> Endless. I love this movie at Fantastic Fest. It's a sci-fi movie about a cult, and it's coming out next week. And I don't, wow. I don't think it's opening wide, but it's going to open wider throughout the month of April. Um, you're never really here in Chappaquiddick. All these movies are, are decently sized. Yeah. Absolutely. It, you know, so there's a lot to pick from. Yes. It'll just be a surprise for next week. And I still want to see Flower, uh, a little indie comedy that's going to be out next week. Yeah. Actually, this week, I think. Cool. So there's a lot to see in the theaters. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. Adam, how can they fo- find us and follow us on the social media interwebs? In the Oasis? In the Oasis. Uh, we're everywhere. So the best way is always Facebook, uh, just facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Vero, 
with the same handle in all three, and that is at Film Coterie. So you can find us there. Tell us what you're watching. Tell us if we're right or wrong in our reviews, or just tell us whatever you want to tell us. Awesome. Derek, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. You're welcome. That's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll see you next time.